0: Welcome to Geekhead Radio.
1: Today's guest host, Michael Jackson. Oh wait, he's dead.
0: No, I'm not.
2: Awesome.
0: <laughs> Children. I just want children's brains.
3: <laughs> Bonus is, that, right. that is recorded. <laughs> Radio,
1: your gamer's roll wwwd 20 Begin transmission of d Radio. <laughs>
3: Welcome back to Geekhead Radio, your one-stop podcast for the half-assed geek news and uh, tongue twisters that you can find here on the internet. Um, this is Preacher23, otherwise known as Aaron.
0: And this is Perrin, coming from the armpit of Bioware in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Literally,
2: And I'm Courtney, once again with... Pro- I'm not properly prepped for an interesting introduction. <laughs> Hello, what
3: have we here? <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're taking um, we're taking a shot here. We're doing our first live guest, and as it so happens, he's somebody who you wouldn't know it has been a guest before. And this is kind of the makeup session. Um, some of you may know him as Darth GM. Some of you may know him as GM Phil. We also know him as just Phil Amayesky.
1: Good evening, gamer nation, and all associated friends of Geekhead Radio. We're gonna try this thing again. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Skype will not thwart us—not a second time.
3: Neither will massive snowstorms on the East Coast. God damn it!
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because we did have that last time we tried to record, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
3: And I and I, which I,
1: is probably a contributing factor.
2: I blame I, the snow.
3: It so was wonderful. just God who needed to contain a little bit of our awesomeness, or some shit like that.
2: However, we have made the appropriate sacrifices this time to to the dark gods, so you know it's all good.
3: All hail Got KCulu. that
1: thirteenth show out of the way.
2: Moving right <laughs> that- along. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, that's <laughs> that is what we had to do. Well, I think before we go much further, let's uh, introduce the drink of the show.
0: Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me. So, Clayton, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, In the great uh, tradition that has become Clayton trying out and failing to find good alcohol in Texas, I was (laughs) going to be trying a scotch ale from. Uh, Round Rock, Texas. But I opened it, took one sip, and then dumped the whole thing out. Uh, wow! So, yes, uh, it actually tasted like burnt wood. Ooh, uh, is,
2: sounds good.
0: <laughs> so, uh, as backup, uh, I I I, uh, I go across the pond, uh, and I have a Smithwick's uh, cold and frothy waiting for me. Frothy, what? <laughs> you have not heard of Smithwicks? N- no, no. Ooh, you probably know it's uh, more famous cousin, Guinness. Um, <laughs> uh, Smith- Smithwick's is a step down from uh, the uh, very thick Guinness. This is more of a uh, a uh, ale rather than a porter. Uh, it's
1: for when you don't feel like drinking a b- uh, drinking a uh, a loaf of bread in a can.
3: Hey, yes, th- I am enjoying my loaf of bread in a can. Well, bottle. Not to chew your beer. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, no <laughs> chewing the beer this time. That's
2: my favorite way. So, you know, I like. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I've cracked out the uh, the the milk stout, and I, I haven't thought of a name yet. And I incorrectly, and I had been corrected, um, called it a Guinness clone, and I made a very amateur mistake and forgot. Uh, yeah, there's no nitrous in it, nitrogen. So, uh, yeah, it's not. It's just. It's a chocolate stout that I made, <laughs> and it's okay. It hasn't matured completely yet. It probably needs another t- bit.
1: It's still making fun of you, pulling pranks on you?
3: Yeah, basically. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, oh, fuck. Just move me. the on his face. <sighs>
2: yeah.
3: Phil, what do you bring to the table? Oh. I, Nothing.
1: you uh rolled over your co-host maybe
3: i know i realized that and i'm like oh (laughs) that was take it back ladies
2: first i figured it was because i didn't particularly have anything interesting i was i was excited to hear what you had phil now i'm disappointed (laughs) i i I once again have a sumatran coffee although in an attempt to make it more interesting i slapped a little bit of uh i slapped a little bit of uh mint hot cocoa in I would have put some Amaretto in, but I was rushing to get upstairs and didn't have time to stop by the liquor cabinet. So I was about to say Kahlua, you know. Yeah, but I don't have any of that. Ah. Right. My uh-huh. liquor cabinet is not well stocked since we do not partake of it frequently. Depressing. Yeah, I know. I'm such a downer.
1: Um, I just got back from my father-in-law's birthday dinner, so unfortunately I really didn't have time to slap together anything interesting. So I went with my old standby Angry Orchard Crisp Apple Hard Cider. Back to the apples. And it is tasty and it is enjoyable.
2: So what makes the orchard angry?
1: <laughs> um, would you be happy if people kept coming up and taking your uh, taking your stuff off of you? Oh, I, do, I, I, I
3: don't know. I like having my sexual <laughs> organs pulled off the tree. <laughs> No.
1: Um, actually, I have no idea what makes it angry. Um, it should be quite happy because <laughs> it's really popular and seems to be everywhere now, and I can't complain. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I was even down in Disney at uh, at their new bowling alley, Splitsville, and, and uh, they brought me this giant chilled – I will refer to it as a holy grail of a glass. <laughs> it must have been like 20, 22 ounces in this giant bowl of a chalice. I'm like, woohoo, this will help me bowl better.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Or at least think I'm good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well. I like when my cider is brought to me that way. Mm. And
3: I'm also remembering that uh, we we went went once again off of the assumption that our listeners know who the hell Phil is. So, um, uh, Clayton, would you mind?
0: Uh, Phil here um, is a man of many talents. He uh, has a particular uh, love of cosplaying, which he has been doing since the mid-2000s. That has evolved into uh, uh, joining the Rebel Legion and the 501st. Uh, If uh, You should look him up online, because he has some exquisite clone trooper armor, uh, episode 3, if I I remember right. Um, He is also... uh, very deeply involved in uh, the the Rebel Legions All Wings report in podcast. Uh, so, if you want to follow the Rebel side of the of the organization, the Five Hundred First is a part of. You definitely need to check that out. It is a it is a fun and interesting podcast. Um, and uh, generally, this guy is a costuming god. At least as far as I'm concerned.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Um, but you you've got a lot of. A geek uh, cred to you. I mean, your love of Star Trek and Star Wars is, I think, well known in the community. Yeah, um, uh, I did uh,
1: the old uh, Star Trek Online podcast. All stop for D twenty Radio. Did Holocron's Holocron's second incarnation, Holocron two point with uh, Brian Casey Fiddleback. And uh, I am still the uh, contributor of the Fragments from the Rim segment on the old and the new Order 66 podcast. With
3: far more dramatic interpretation.
1: Yeah, I I really enjoy the sort of transition that I did. I'm like, I I know that Chris and Dave, they really kind of stepped up their game when they went from uh, the original to the new episodes, a new format, new style. Yeah. and I just felt that it was time to to make a change myself, you know, try to do something a little more interesting and engaging and not just be some guy reading off how cool this talent is or, you know, <laughs> how awesome this this feat combo can be, you know. So
3: oh, but it I, is. I try
1: and uh, you know, try to put a little more production value into it and I'm getting much more out of it now. So I'm enjoying doing them and I'm, I'm doing my best never to miss one, you know, if I can, if it can at all be helped.
3: Well, I think it also helps that, um, you've made it your own. I mean, you did adopt the segment, um, from the two Canucks and I can't recall their names off the top of my head. (laughs) Alex and Trevor. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Alex and Trevor. And, um, you know, I mean, they did, they did a great job, but, um, you know, you filled the shoes pretty well and then you had to change it into your own little segment and, and, and put the, uh. Myeski stamp of approval on it, and uh, <laughs> don't ask what that is officially, but
1: no, that's cool. That's cool, <laughs> and it is actually, actually, and it most certainly is a Myesky, uh production. As the the lovely voice that you hear at the beginning and ending of that little segment is my now wife.
3: Ah, oh, that's right. You have unlocked that achievement and and uh, yes. entered matrimony.
1: Yes, fun, where ain't I it? I am now. Uh, where where my now most common phrase is? Yes, dear. <laughs>
0: Oh, lucky, lucky men who can use that phrase. If I utter that phrase, I get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I can't say that would get very far. That would get very far with me. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. the phone context.
1: <laughs> it all depends on the context. The person that Meredith said, "Now, Phil, there are three rules. Now, first of all, your proper response to most anything is now yes, dear. Your second rule." <laughs> the second rule is: you are in charge, and only one time when you're in bed asleep. <laughs> that is when it's your. That is when you are head of the household. <laughs> and thirdly, Sarah, if he ever starts acting up and having problems, send him to bed.
0: <laughs> wow, it was a, it was it was an interesting
1: ceremony to be <laughs> to be sure. But
0: yeah. sounds like a lot of fun was had.
1: Only took me eight and a half years so.
0: So, congratulations! (laughs) Thank Thank you. 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 Yeah, sounds like it sounds like you've got an awesome woman there. Oh,
1: I do, I do. She's she's very supportive of all of my uh, endeavors, and uh, we'll even probably bring it up later on in the show how she helped me find my first costume. Awesome,
2: sweet, awesome. Congratulations! So, I'm going to put Courtney.
3: I'm going to put Courtney on the spot here. So, Courtney, um, how can our listeners uh, reach us when they're not listening to us live?
2: Ah, well we are we we have we have uh, scores of followers on Facebook you can become one of them um, you can you can visit us on our Facebook page we also have uh, have our website geekheadradio.com that has uh, that has copies of the po- of the previous podcasts which you can also find on iTunes and if you wish to reach all of us at once over the over that, old-fashioned medium known as email you can reach us at geekheadradio at gmail.com or if you wish to reach us individually uh, you can you can try Aaron at geekheadradio.com, Clayton at geekheadradio.com or Courtney at geekheadradio.com We recommend if you're emailing Clayton, please make up, uh, please make up your own words because that <laughs> appears to be the, the version of English that he speaks) <laughs>
3: thank you and um don't um forget um to um yeah we've just that learned that was deep man I know that was deep. <laughs> deep totally deep yeah totally like Clayton too we've just learned that uh when, when when Clayton begins to to get lost we just need to bring him back bring him back come
1: back come back
3: <laughs> come back to us come back <laughs> And that's Clayton's version of "fuck you." So, (laughs) all right, and uh, and then and then did we talk about Twitter?
2: Uh, No, no, we didn't because it hasn't been on the show notes the last two times. So, (sighs) it's
3: not discussed. Yeah, we're kind of scattered about on uh, on Twitter. You can follow um, Preacher on uh, Geekhead Aaron. Um, You can get Clayton at. Clayton Geekhead? Geekhead Clayton? Clayton Geekhead? Whatever. Geekhead yeah. Clayton. Whatever. It's Geekhead Aaron Clayton Court and Phil. Yes,
2: please. Please 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 interact with me on Twitter so I can you can help me understand this strange Twitter technology and perhaps I'll use it more frequently.
3: Teacher, what a hashtag means for God's sake?
2: Oh, I know what a hashtag means. <laughs> I just choose not to
3: use it. <laughs> That's okay. I find Twitter to be an interesting bit of medium that uh, I forget about that I have half the time. And I'm like, oh, I haven't checked Twitter for about six months. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, I'll start contacting potential guests. and and
1: There you go.
3: And one of mine that I I figured I would contact, they then um, posted on Twitter, hey, I'm going to be on the CBS Morning Show, and I'm like, yeah, they are now outside of our league.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ooh. <Yeah. laughs> you can
2: make a YouTube video and ask them to prom. That seems to work well. Oh,
3: there
1: you go. Oh, mm, that'd be crazy. All you have to do is go back to high school.
2: Yeah.
3: I've got the mentality. I don't need anything else from that era. <laughs> Well, mm, my show notes went away. All right. Well, I think at this point, um, I think we should probably like get to what we do best here.
2: <laughs> what would that be?
3: I don't know. Let's enter the grid.
2: The grid. A digital frontier.
3: Clayton, start us off.
0: So I think everybody knows how much I love NASA and anything that goes with NASA and anything that goes into space. Um, and one of the stories that uh, bubbled up from the the deep depths. depths God, you almost is, had that. Perfect. Yep, I know. <laughs> and then and, and then I continued to talk instead of shutting up. Uh, <laughs> uh, is uh, a really cool expedition that has been launched by, of all people, Amazon's. Uh, CEO, um, uh, Jeff Bezo. Bezo. Bezo?
3: Bezo? Bezo. Bezu.
0: Okay,
3: just Amazon.
2: um, Fuck it. That Amazon dude.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that Amazon dude has decided to go 14,000 feet, three miles straight down to start recovering parts of the Apollo space mission. And he's he he's he's pulling rocket engines off the ocean floor for restoration. Awesome!
2: Very cool.
3: This is
0: impressive
3: because they were never even designed to come back up to the surface. I mean, they were completely disposable.
0: And uh, surprisingly, the, the the pictures that they've shown is they are remarkably well preserved, and I think that is just a true testament to. Uh, the engineering that NASA was able to accomplish in the 1960s.
1: Yeah, yes. they went to the moon on computers that are, weren't nearly as powerful as what you've got in your phones right now. Which yeah. is
3: terrifying because we can't seem to you know, put anyone past a couple thousand miles in orbit. Not anymore. Yeah. Well, there's no money f- in
1: it. We don't have to beat the Russians at it anymore. Yeah, right. I know. Yep. It's no longer yeah.
3: a PR campaign which is rather aggravating. However, um, and I... Damn it, where did this go? Also, we now officially have, um... I can't find the article, but I'm just gonna mention it. Um, we have completely screwed up on the universe's birthday. I'm sorry, what? I forgot
2: to send a card. Crap! I
3: know! (laughs) That's a lot of fucking presents to catch up on. It's 80 million years older than we anticipated previously. Therefore, um... I, I like I said unfortunately, it was on the the cover of the New York Times um, just uh past Friday, and uh, they they have discovered that uh using telescopes and my God, this is why you need notes, no net people anyway, um, yeah, the universe is eighty million years older than um, previously th- theorized, so this is pretty cool, and they 're showing that bad. a lot of observable data. Uh, that confirms uh concepts of the big bang and i do believe that they also have discovered that there's a larger amount of dark matter in the universe than what they previously dis, uh believed so uh what this means um eventually um we can you know harness our biotic powers and fuel our mass effect drives but until then right now it's uh, yeah. stuff <laughs>
2: One, one, more, one more thing making my physics degree even more obsolete. Dude,
3: occurred. you have a physics degree and I didn't know this? Oh, wait, you did what? mention it.
2: <laughs> you should
1: bury it under all those years of, va- of uh, running vampire games and the knowledge needed to keep that going. Oh, Pretty Christ.
2: much, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they really when they when, when you get a BS in physics, they should they should hand you hand you your uh hand you your your paper your certificate, your paperwork with an expiration date dated yesterday.
1: So. <laughs> Lord knows I can't remember anything I did in any of my physics classes, but I can tell you what. You give me a number between two and twelve and I'll tell you exactly what location on a battle mech that hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's
2: just a matter what you use for regular <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, the the, the the BS level physics is great fun at parties, so. Mm.
3: That, that, that would have been one of my dreams um, had I applied myself in high school. I would have gone the astrophysics. But instead, I became a therapist. That was smart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done, sir. Well done.
0: <laughs> at least I so, have clients. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of odd things... um Courtney, you threw in a, a a very interesting prize that popped up this week.
2: Oh yes, this this I I giggled for hours, and I'm still coming up with fascinating uses for this. Um, the the bookseller, which is a in uh, seller of books? a publisher's journal. Oh. Big, big publishers' journal uh, gives out a prize every year for the oddest book title of the year, and they just awarded it. And this year's oddest book title of the year, voted on by you know publishing people, is "Goblin Proofing One's Chicken Coop." Awesome! It's a book. Yes. Now, the sad thing is, is as a as a geeky person, I did not think this was that odd of a title.
0: <laughs> yeah, agreed.
2: I I, I it's like what what's. What's strange about that? The the runners up I thought were much more uh, were, were much odder. One uh, the let's see the other the runner up one of the runners up was how tea cozies changed the world. I thought that was odd, but the one that I think should have won was God's Doodle: The Life and Times of the Penis. <laughs> I personally thought that was much odder than goblin-proofing one's chicken coop. I figured it was just a resource book on farmer NPCs or D and D or something. But apparently, it's not. You can look at it on uh, you can look at it on Amazon, and they've got you know they've got they've got clips of it in there. You know, there's uh, the 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 first I think the second chapter has topics such as the gentlemanly art of chickenry, what are goblins, the vileness of changeling eggs. Goblin migrations, things, various topics like that. Once again, I think it's a valuable resource for any farmer and NP- NPCs in your various games. I, I think Who this is just good. Who me
1: this shit?
2: <laughs> Let me, uh, some... And how can I get paid for doing it myself? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, uh, Reginald Bakley and Clint Barsh apparently write this. <laughs> it looks, I'm I'm going to order it. It looks hilarious. Let me tell I'm more you. terrified
3: and, at at, at at god's doodle the, the history of the penis or whatever the hell it was
2: <laughs> is that. but yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna buy this every uh, every farmer in my uh, dark ages vampire campaign that has enough resources to own books will have a copy of the bible and goblin proofing one's chicken coop and it will be
3: it really is nothing more than the guidebook to creating first level quests
2: you know it would be great for that i am a big f- fan of having odd topics in your library that you can just odd books that you can just pull out and throw at players when they're you know <laughs> spending time spending time poking around a, a library you didn't expect to be a big deal yeah, uh Tobin spirit kind guide. Of-
0: there you go but- mm-hmm. Tobin's spirit guide yeah
2: so yeah, I think I think this book would be would be perfect for people who choose to do that. But yeah, I hadn't thought about it as a guide to first level quests. <laughs> <laughs> God, played a little Stop. too
3: much Advanced Dungeons and Dragons last night. We'll we'll talk about that post show. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and Clayton, you had so, a you had a bit that you wanted to, to to rant and rave about. I I caught you going off on Facebook and and needed to hear this, because you know my feelings on the EU when it comes to Star Wars. The Expanded Universe to me is, is um, interesting guidelines, but absolute shite.
0: Yes. Uh, so uh, I've, I, I've worked a lot lately, so uh, instead of coming home and playing video games, which would be my normal nerd activity, um, I've had to resort to non-lit medium for entertainment. So I've gone back to ye old paperback.
2: yeah
0: i know very old very old school um and uh having not picked up either a star trek next generation or a star wars book in several years i went to the uh, local grocery store and picked up the latest ones they had on the shelf you fool Uh,
1: Yes.
3: Hey, before you get
2: too far into this, please consider the fact that you were picking up your your literature at the local grocery store. That should set one's better than Barnes
3: and Noble.
0: Well, <laughs> it's 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 it was it was pure convenience, um, <laughs> and so uh, uh, Star Wars: Fate of the Jedi has been a series that's been going on for uh, a number of years, um, and the final book uh, for that, uh, series has come out. It's called apocalypse. And
3: ooh, they must've spent had... a, a whole 15 seconds coming up with that title.
0: Um, and <laughs> the concept for this series was, was actually was, was what got me to pick it up in the first place because it has a clone wars tie in. Hmm. Um, and I wanted to, and I was curious to see, uh, how this whole tie in worked. Okay. Um, and for those that have uh, watched the third season of the clone wars animated series uh you will remember the the, the mortis realm where oh. the father son and daughter um,
3: okay. with with the one and only d20 sam witwer
0: yes um
3: <laughs> one day one day
0: <laughs> um so the The question was asked in this series is we have a father, we have a son, and we have a daughter well where's the mother
3: oh I thought it was going to be nephew cousin no
0: nope. <laughs> so the the question the question was asked and answered in the series of books oh, Christ. and oh, fuck. Uh, and basically mm-hmm. uh in this in the series of books uh a a character that's because basically mortis and his his son and daughter are Celestial force beings. I mean they're basically uh representations of the light and side light and dark side and the balance point of the force. Okay. And this is this is straight out of Lucas's mouth. This is this is what his original intent was. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: Preacher, you haven't seen the Ark?
0: No, I've seen the
3: Ark. I've seen the Ark. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, right. uh,
1: I got worried there for a second. Carry <laughs> on. <laughs>
0: So, um, the EU writers ask the question, well one, where is the mother the figure in this, uh, in this uh, in this family? Mm. And and two, how can we
1: make money off of it? Yes.
0: yes. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, well, where there is balance, there must also be chaos. So the mother figure is a chaos element of the force. And Just like
3: most mothers and families. <laughs> At least mine. But
0: I'm, uh, oh. <laughs> so, basically, you have the slasher beings, for all intents and purposes, are force gods. Mm. Um, and um, because the EU has run out of interesting things to throw, to throw at the Solos and the Skywalkers, let's, why don't we throw a god at them? Because, you know, nothing else has managed to it's kill like them. like David
3: Eddings. Baseball.
0: Um. And that that became my uh, my annoyance with this book. It's just that I like the concept of dealing with this this mother figure, but making essentially making her a god and making her hell bent on destroying the entire galaxy. How about a different theme in Star Wars, people?
3: Do you, Do you want to rant first, or shall I?
0: Uh, go ahead and dive in.
3: Well, now you you rant first, and and I'll hold off. Mine's going to be. Mine's going to be a far more vicious attack on the EU outside of the Clone Wars TV series.
0: Okay. I mean, really, my my annoyance with this book is the lack of creativity by the authors that have... That have well, well, there's probably lots of people submitting ideas, but these are the ideas that are making it through to publication. And it makes me wonder what... Delray is thinking as far as oh, what's going to sell books? It
3: makes you wonder um, what the fuck they're turning down.
0: Uh, they're probably turning down some really incredible ideas that are <laughs> um, that uh, are are subtle, well written, and more of the short bus um, special. Yeah, I, it just it seems to me that they're going in a direction of of. Oh, because they're too afraid to take a chance at something that could potentially be very, very cool.
2: Like most TV, most movies, most things these days. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay. I I mean, we're going to get Fifty Shades of Grey Jedi soon.
0: (laughs) I'd probably buy that just out of curiosity.
2: Uh, uh.
0: You have seen the Star
1: Wars foreign parody, have you not?
3: Oh, God, no. No. I'm afraid that a Wookiee will be involved.
1: <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No visuals I, make him stop. Forty-five dollars. Adam and Eve. Go see it.
2: Wow. No. Well,
1: at least check out the ad.
2: <laughs> see and why? See and why go with? Why go with a Wookiee? I would think there would be a lot more force choking involved.
1: Ooh, Please tell ooh, me there's force. Choking. That's not the force. No. <laughs> 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 Oh, God.
2: But he told me it was the force.
1: <laughs> well, you're a physics student. You know that force is really involved in that. Let me show uh, you the
3: difference between potential energy and kinetic energy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> See, here's my issue with the EU. And, and. I may just be repeating myself, you know, I probably said this in an episode that I don't want anyone to ever hear again. But, (laughs) I honestly, I'm going to feel bad, because one day we're actually going to get, like, a talented writer on here who got their start with a Star Wars book, and I'm going to be fucking embarrassed. (laughs) But, the books. What? how, How horrible of a writer do you have to be to do nothing but books for television series or movies i mean you know you've got the the star trek books and the and the the star wars books and the battle tech books and you know anything that's got an established universe i don't have a problem with people writing in that universe i have a problem with the fact that they're fucking lazy they they assume too much they don't bother with descriptive text there's very little character development it's forced upon them to not have character development i mean to me this is writing for one of these series is like becoming a walmart greeter you're doing it to get paid and you should be ashamed
1: there are three writers for star wars in my mind and everyone else can go to hell Um, Those three writers are Mike Stackpole, Aaron Alston, and Timothy Zahn. Those three writers have worked together multiple times they will call each other and and say hey listen I want to have your character that you introduce here work in this book what do you think do you think they would work like this and they would collaborate they'd go back and forth and there would be mass there are massive character developments in all those books done by those authors they take great steps to present a book that feels Star Wars yeah just about every other novel I've read doesn't do that at least for me. Um, I will give you that there's a lot of crap in the EU out there, but if you haven't read those three au- the books by those three authors, then I think you're selling the EU short, at least that corner of it. I'm I telling don't... you, man. If you haven't read the, the Thrawn trilogy, yeah, I've read that. Of you, course. If you haven't read the X-wing books by Timothy by uh, by Mike Stackpole. That's a good set of four books. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That is a great set of four books. And Aaron Alston is just fun to read. His books are just fun to read. He does the dirty dozen in Star Wars.
3: But that's... that's,
1: (sighs) (sighs) When a book opens up with Wedge Antilles flying an X-Wing with a stuffed Ewok sitting in his lap to make the enemy think that an Ewok is flying an X-Wing against them... Oh, my. <laughs> okay, I mean... And one of his first thoughts is, I can't believe they talked me into this.
3: Okay, <laughs> I mean, I can get this, but I this goes back to my discussion, and, and I, th- I think part of the reason why this sounds familiar is that I may have ranted about this with you um, on the Lost episode, but... Possibly. I just... Uh, I don't get it. I just don't understand why they can't embrace the Star Wars universe and not make it about the main characters. <laughs> I think that's why I've started loving the Clone Wars so much is when they ignored the established characters and, and or yeah. focused on minor characters that it was like, oh, I'm seeing the Star Wars universe from a completely different point of view.
1: Rookies. Uh-huh.
2: I, think, I think some people... <laughs> When they, when they get into reading or watching something about an established universe, have a hard time getting past the main characters. Part of the reason that I don't get into a lot of the, a lot of the spin-off type things is once you deviate from the main characters that I've developed attach, an attachment to, mm-hmm. I'm not quite as interested. So maybe that's what they're thinking, why they're sticking with the main stuff so much as opposed to developing the sidelines. I don't know.
3: And I get that. Which, I, go ahead, Phil.
1: Which doesn't make sense that because some of the biggest draw that the, the Star Wars books had back in the day was Mike Stackpole's X-wing series, and the biggest name they had in that was Wedge. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Luke makes an appearance in book four, Three? Something Book three. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Skywalker makes an appearance in book three. He's the first of the big three to make an appearance at all. Otherwise, it's Akbar and Wedge, and all these brand new characters yeah, who are just, all very
2: interesting. Yeah, I'm not saying that sticking with the that sticking with the main characters is a formula for for good stories or good liter- literature. Oh, not, hell no. Not. Yeah, obviously it's not. But you know, sometimes I, sometimes people have a hard time moving past the main the main ones. I know it's harder for me to get into get into stuff about side characters now. Once I do, it's usually I realize I was wrong, you know, I was being closed-minded, I should have gotten into it. But, yeah, that, that might be part of the reason why they don't explore that more, even though yeah. they shouldn't, it would be better. Yeah. We have
1: no idea who up in the big chairs in, in Lucasfilm said, we want books about these characters, and what treaties they've got, and what... Uh, what- you know, manuscripts they received that could have been awesome, but they're like, does it have the big three? No. Let's
3: let's, let's no, hold off on understood. this for a minute when we talk about Clone Wars because uh this I feel is very relevant. So let's hold oh, off what? on that little nugget. Yep. And, well let's uh,
0: dip into Star Trek real quick and then uh Yeah we can uh, cleanse our palate on the wonders of Pax East and then we can jump into Clone Wars during digital production. Alright, let's do it. So uh, the other book that I read was the third book for Star Trek Next Generation, Cold Equations. It's called The Body Electric, which, like Apocalypse, actually harkens back to a earlier uh, point in the Star Trek inter- universe. This one actually harkens back all the way to the very first Star Trek movie and actually talks about the race V-ger? that sent— that sent V'ger back to earth. Whoa. Mm -hmm. This, this,
3: this could be horrible. It could (laughs) (laughs) actually,
0: actually the, uh, the, 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 I actually enjoyed 99% of the book. Um, it, uh, it deals with, uh, the legacy that people, um, species and worlds leave behind um how different perspectives play on to that and i actually really enjoyed the book what i didn't like was they basically put the enterprise crew which has changed because it's 20 years after the end of the original series um,
3: but it doesn't technically exist anymore
0: um and so people have moved on. Uh, Picard and Beverly are married and have a kid. Worf's what? now the number one. Uh, um, Will, uh, Will uh, Wesley has is is still a traveler um, and they're facing an enemy that is literally on a galactic scale. Literally, it, is, it moves from galaxy to galaxy by throwing um, black holes against each other and then riding the wave of energy to another universe. Uh, so you're dealing with a, a, a machine um, from the, the uh, android race that, uh, that sent V'ger, Voyager, Back to Earth, um, that basically uh, intellectually um, and from just a technological stand- standpoint, the Enterprise is no match for. It. Of course not,
3: but they can do um, it with. Uh, this just hurts just hearing about no. it.
0: So.
2: Can't they just slingshot it's, around the sun and go back in time before they oh, exist? No no, no 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 wait no, no wait they've
3: got a magic no, red they, matter it, that'll throw them through a a, a time traveling black yeah. hole to a fixed no, no. point. No. Yeah no
0: they they actually uh, Jordy actually made that joke Courtney. Oh okay. Uh, yeah he's like can't we just like slingshot around the sun and <sighs> go back in time and <gasps> Picard's Picard's response was I'll take that as a no. Um, <laughs> um but the what I didn't like about this book is literally it resolved itself in four pages. (laughs) Nice. So you go through this book and you're like, how in the hell are they going to beat this thing?
2: And then the authors got to the end and said, crap, how the hell are we going to beat this thing? Page limit, page (laughs) limit.
0: And, and literally it came down to asking a question of the robot. Can, it was just
3: like can you go away? Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it wasn't a clever.
2: Make question? it so.
0: No, it wasn't a clever <laughs> question. It was it was telegraphed from a, about the when they got to that point it had been telegraphed for 200 pages. Um but the way they were setting it up it's just like oh well there never there's no way that they can see what the reader is seeing and come up with a way of beating it. Um, and then they do it, but then they do it, it's just like, oh, we'll ask this question. And then the book ends. And you're like, stab self. It was just, like... Who's the hack that
3: wrote this one?
0: Some guy named named David Mack. David Mack the hack. Yes, David Mack the hack. And it's just my these two books just completely turned me off from both universes because it's like if this is the books if if this is what is making it out i don't want to read these universes because there's they're not enjoyable that the they're they're it's very uh, it's very contrived yeah
2: how much how many uh, star trek novels had you read before uh, <laughs> i used to read a lot of star trek novels that was, was my dirty little secret like like roman it was my version of romance novels when i was trying to be so such a staunch hardcore sci-fi geek i would not read anything but clark and asimov i wow. i read a lot of star trek novels and there don't get me wrong there were a couple of them a couple authors particularly that were actually really good. And now that I think about it, they were all, as you said, they were all uh, delving into uh, characters that weren't weren't really main characters. Uh, the Romulan way, like Diane, I'm going to put her last name, Dwayne, really good. But most of them sound kind of like what you were describing.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I was a heavy Star Trek reader mm-hmm. up until about, Two thousand three, two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Star Wars. Um, um, uh, the only thing that I read after that was the the Yuuzhan Vong War Ugh. books. Um, you I'm mean sorry, the
3: Star I, Trek novels? Uh, Stargate, Stargate.
1: No, no, you mean the Star Trek
0: villains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean I. I'm pretty heavily invested in the universe when it comes to the, to the books. And I guess I, I, looking back, I could see that it was going in this direction, but I had, Oh, I was enjoying the books for what they were. Um, and maybe I've just grown up a little too much for them. Finally. <laughs>
3: Once again, oh, fuck yeah. you.
0: Yes. <laughs> Let's get away. Let's get away from renting Clayton and and talk about something that that really cool that happened this weekend. Penny uh, Arcade uh,
3: Expo
1: East. Yes. Uh, Yes, the Penny Arcade Expo East, up at the Boston Convention Center in Boston, Massachusetts, and finally I got to go. Uh, I've been trying to actually go to this thing for a few years now. Um, My brother was actually able to go because at the time he was working for Turbine. So you got to go to this thing. This is the first year that I got to go. And by the time I decided to buy tickets for myself and my stepson, holy crap, I have a stepson. <laughs> anyway. How old is he? How old is he? Uh, by the time I got around to buying them for that for Christmas, uh, the only days that you could buy were a single ticket for Friday and a single ticket for Sunday. Um, all the Saturday-only tickets were sold out, and all the three-day passes were sold out. And that yeah. was fine. Um, so I got two passes to PAX East for today. And went. And the first thing I can say is now I've been to some big conventions, specifically Celebration Six. Uh, Celebration Six is probably the biggest convention that I've been to. Uh, But I've been to a few of the Origins um, Expos up in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, I've done my fair share of conventions. So I I know how big and busy these things can get and how sometimes they can get so so many people attending that you can't physically walk through some areas. Yeah. Um, I salute PAX East and, and and PAX in general because they have a limited number of tickets. They say, this is it. No more. Once they're sold out, they're sold out. No one available at the door. Don't bother showing up. We won't have anything to sell you. Um, this is great, especially for a, an event like in a venue like this, because they've got all these huge video game companies to come out, and you can also play all these games and borrow. You know, they basically have a library of consoles up in several side rooms, and you can just rent games, you know, for nothing. Practice them, try them out, have a good time. Nice. And if they had too many more people, you wouldn't get to play. I mean, sure there are lines, but you're only in line for like what ten, fifteen minutes at the most. If you want to demo a specific game, uh, otherwise there's 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 plenty to do there. They have entire half of the convention set up just for tabletop games, and which was phenomenal. Uh, D&D Next was there, all the, all the co-op D&D games that uh, Wizards of the Coast has put out. Of course, Magic the Gathering, of course, that was there. But all these small indie companies were there with their own tabletop games, you know, trying to get the buzz out. And it, it, it was really a cool expo to go, go to because I'd never been to one that was – I'd been to Origins, and that's kind of like Gen Con Lite um okay but this was the first time where i got to see video game companies bring it out and their huge production as far as it goes um alongside the massive tabletop gaming it, it really was a a a call for nerds um on the east coast who could make it up um it was fun to go to uh what i've Tried to do ever since I started going to these things is I've started to uh, make sure that I catch at least a panel or two. Uh, and there were two panels that I actually started and ended with. Uh, the first panel that I went to and something that's being forefront in my mind, especially now that I just got married, is geek parenting,
3: hmm.
1: where all these authors and writers from blogs like uh, Geek Moms and Geek Dads they had a panel on you know what to do when you know raising kids on as being geeks. Um, what, when is the right time to introduce them to certain aspects and comments and, and, and concepts and that sort of thing. Um, it was really interesting. I was really hoping that I could stick around long enough for them to get to the whole part. They had apparently had a whole segment on when should I introduce my child to Star Wars. <laughs> Unfortunately, the first two topics of why are superheroes relevant and what to do with ge- with gamer girls who like... Games that are "quote unquote" for boys, what, what? and that specific title was there specifically to evoke a response. And they're like, "Okay, Done. It's very
3: yes, yeah.
1: it's very." And they said, this, "Courtney's frothing at the mouth." <laughs> it's it's very important to teach folks early on that there is no such thing as a game for boys. Hallelujah, there's no such thing as a game for girls. Thank and you. actually, I apologize. I apologize. I had the title wrong. The title of the con- the title of that section was "What to do when your gamer girl Pones at Halo." What? We what, um, what? I want to do when your gamer girl send pwns me their address at I'm Halo.
3: Fucking beating them. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I know what their point was, but still.
1: Uh, and they talk about it. They, the, the guy was there. Is like, look, I've got a girl who's um...
2: young, probably whatever the equivalent is. I don't know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, there was a guy there who was like, "Look, my 16-year-old son is a brony. I'm, I've, I'm fine with it. So well, he likes whatever he likes." And another I, guy there was like, "I yeah, need I've someone got to explain girls, that to 12, Twelve years old and ten years old, and they own their friends on Halo, mm-hmm. just own them to no end. Good. And they're like, "It's important to, to teach your children that there is no such thing as a game for girls and a game for boys. It's a game." And until the until this gender stereotyping is bred out of the industry, <sighs> you know we're we're going to we're going to have to encounter situations and questions like this. Uh, one of the people who wrote for Gamer Mom, uh, for Geek Mom, said, "It's not her friends who say you play Halo and you're a girl. It's the parents that say." Your daughter plays Halo? Ugh. She's like, I want to yep. beat them with the controller. I haven't yet. Should. But I want to.
2: Go ahead. I can... They
0: should. We would applaud.
2: Yeah. Courtney
1: endorses you. Beat her with a controller.
2: Pretty much, yes.
1: Um. But that, that you was... Know, unfortunately, they, they had a question line, and people just kept getting off and asking questions. Half of them were asinine, stupid, and guys who... Clearly either got nervous because they're being forced into a social situation and they just aren't prepared for it or Mm -hmm. they just don't have the mental thoughts of what they want to ask lined up properly. So they kind of ramble in tangent and orbit what they're really asking and takes them about a good 30 to 60 seconds to actually ask their question. Great. So unfortunately, I only got through two topics before. I'm like, look, I'm not going to spend two hours of however long I'm here in this panel. Yeah, I have to go experience it because this was right off the bat. I hadn't even been into the expo at uh, the into the exposition center yet, the exhibit hall. Um, so I'm like, I, I've got to go. I, I I need to see the rest of the convention. Um, and then I finished it up with a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh panel going back to the future, calling all Mech Warriors, tribes, and Star Citizens. Um, it was a discussion about how free-to-play games have cropped up in almost every genre of gaming these days, and the good news is for newbies and old-timers who want to relive the glory of their youth with revived franchises like MechWarrior, Tribes, and Star Citizens. Um, they had Russ Bull- Bullock and... Um, uh, where is it? Oh, they had someone else from, uh, from Piranha Games too. I can't remember his name, which is sad. Um, but they had Russ Bullock from... Uh, Piranha Games from MechWarrior Online. They had Todd Harris from High Res Games for Tribes Ascend, and Chris Roberts from Star Citizen, and the guy who made all the good Wing Commander games. Oh, I like it. And they talked about um, how free to play, you know, has has stigma? Has that been a stigma these these? You know, initially, and how they've had to overcome that. How you how the development cycle of a video game is completely different now,
2: Hmm.
1: because it used to be the publisher says we want a game like this, and you kind of feel things around, and you put the game, and you develop it, and you release it out into the world, and then you wait and see how the sales do. Yeah, where now it's all, you know, now it's starting to turn towards. Oh, you get away from the publishing aspect. You you do things like uh, crowdsource funding. And you get people to pay for a game up front, and you involve them in the development process. And while you're not necessarily doing everything that they want to do, you're because Chris Roberts says, look, I'm not going to put anything in my game that I don't want to be there. I'm talking about Star Citizen. Yeah. His, his latest game that's going to basically take the fun elements of the Wing Commander and Wing Commander Privateer series, put them into a game, release it out so that it can be played in a campaign style and a massive online style. But he's like, look, while I'm, while I, while I, will not have anything in the game that I don't want, I'm listening to the audience and listening to what they're asking for and and seeing value in what they're saying, and we're putting that right into the development cycle. Um, same thing with uh, with BattleTech and uh, MechWarrior Online. Um, you know, they're talking about how um, how MechWarrior has changed and evolved with with what people have said and how things are done and and how the game, how you can get this game that. Originally, just existed you know, over a decade and a half ago. In well, not a decade and a half, but you know, you know, no. over over a decade ago, in its last format, where it was just a campaign format, you know, with, with kind of a mm with a massive multi online PvP presence, and how it's completely turned around now. And, and it's you know, right now it only exists as a as a uh, as a PvP era arena, and um, and how it's coming back through through people wanting it the old old time battletech players and the new time mech warriors got to hear some interesting numbers of, like development cycles of how long it takes them to build a map put a mech in and how what what it costs as far as as far as uh, as far as it goes to do those things uh Clayton you you probably have some interest in this cuz i know that you play it or at least played it re- up until recently Yeah, I still uh, do it costs $60,000 and eight weeks to do a mech. But, but wow. Wow.
0: The, I, t- I totally see that. There's, From, a lot, there's a lot of physics that go into Oh I'm, I'm sure,
2: that. yeah, but you don't think about it usually.
1: Yeah. <laughs> From That's concept cool. art, that beautiful painting that that guy does, Alex something or other, that beautiful painting to a mech that you can start up and load up and load into the game, eight weeks, $60,000. Yes, A new map? New map? 100,000. Mm. Because you have to play the hell out of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To make sure it's balanced and you have to have so much detail in it. Actually, he was like, no, I, 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 I meant that. 100,000 was the average. Uh, anywhere from 80 to a quarter of a million.
3: Oh.
1: Wow. Depending on the map and how much it is. I imagine that maps like um, the, the Arctic City... Edge towards the quarter of a million because of the extra particle effects that it needs.
0: Yeah, or the oh, what's the new one that they just put out? That oh, the desert, just, the desert that's just ginormous. That
1: got a thunderous applause. <laughs> they mentioned that desert map, and the whole audience just like yeah, <laughs> like okay, you guys like that. Um, but it was really neat. Um, I have to say that you know, hacks East was an enjoyable time. Um, I got to walk around. I got to see all kinds of uh, games and and stuff that's in development. Uh, unfortunately, I saw the game that killed City of Heroes. Um, it's uh, NCSoft's uh, World of Warcraft clone called Wildstar. And uh, you guys go look it up uh, out there and uh, check it out. Wildstar. I'm sure it's wildstar.com. Um, and you tell me that that's not a World of Warcraft clone. Um, it is the, uh, the style of art. Almost a mirror of uh, of of World of Warcraft. It just is. They take out that sort of steampunk element that World of Warcraft has, mm-hmm. with you know the goblin balloons and all that, and the cannons and stuff like that, and replace it with high tech, ultra sci-fi, like Mass Effect level science fiction. And and I'm just looking at it and watching their tra- their trailer, and I'm like, it's World of Warcraft in space.
0: Yeah, from what I've seen of it, I'm. I just wish they hadn't gone there. I mean, it's just... It's almost going to be a, a, a death a death on release.
1: Yeah, I... I, I I'm, look, I'm just... No. <laughs> I, I honestly want to know no. who
3: the hell greenlights these projects and doesn't think... I mean, do they really believe that they can get away with a small amount of subscribers or whatever and just go, well, oh, yeah, it looks a lot like World of Warcraft, but that's how we'll get players. I mean... Uh,
2: Does that work anymore? All these things think we're really stupid. That's the only explanation I can come up with. I I I thought we
3: were kind of doom.
0: I think you're totally right, Courtney.
3: Yeah. Oh, God. All right. There's
2: lemmings that buy things. Yes, we will give them what they have already bought. Then they will buy more. Yeah, no. Well, I
3: think at this point we need to to get moving towards uh, digital projection. But was there anything else that Paxy she wanted to bring up?
1: Uh, I am disgusted at Bioware. Absolutely yeah. disgusted. They had an entire room to themselves, and all they had in it were talks about how to, you know, how to become a Bioware, you know, how to become a Bioware employee. Um, these are some of the titles of their panels: uh, Mass Effect, a retro, uh, Mass Effect trilogy, a retrospective, uh, Dragon Age stuff. They had all this stuff about Mass Effect, all this stuff about Dragon Age, all this stuff about Bioware. Not a mention at all. Of Star Wars: The Old Republic.
3: I think it's become and an EA got a, game.
1: They've got a frickin' massive digital expansion coming in a couple months. Not a single word. I think you're right. I think there's something behind the scenes going on. I think Bioware is bitter about Star Wars for uh, for whatever reason. And um, I don't want to say they're going to kill it, but I don't think they're going to advertise it nearly as much as they should at conventions. Um, so, but regardless, I'm disgusted with Bioware because I, I enjoy the game. I'm just not seeing much as far as overt support from them outside I'm gonna wager, of
3: the website. I'm going to wager, and this is kind of going to go into what we'll talk about in Digital Projection, that the mouse seers have something to do with it. Mm. So, that being said... Oh, I thought you were going to segue there. I am. Let's move into Digital Projection. Okay. Um yeah, all right. I had mentioned let's let's talk about Clone Wars after everything else. Let's just kind of bounce these these first couple of subjects cuz uh they're not going to take much time.
0: Yeah, cuz I because I'm curious about this about this first one from you.
3: Okay. So <laughs> all right, the Big Star Trek Into Darkness has uh come out and um the 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 trailer. So I I watched it, I enjoyed it, and I immediately said, I'm watching Mass Effect.
0: <laughs>
1: Why? I could see it.
3: You got Benedict Cumberbatch, or however his name is, in a in a ship that looks remarkably like the, um, I haven't played Mass Effect for a while, so the names are slipping me, but the hover ships that they use um, that are basically uh, uh, troop transports blasting out windows i swear that i saw that happen to garrus at one point um i expected to see reapers crash landing i mean this was all very very cool and it and it and it excited me but there was a lot of visuals that i felt that um they had taken directly out of the mass effect series (laughs) which just makes me all the all the more giddy so anyway I mean, it's, it, it, it's fine. I don't have any complaints right now except for the fact that the more that I think about Damon Lindoff being um, the, one of the writers, I, I imagine that I will enjoy the movie thoroughly the first time I watch it, and the second time I watch it, I will suddenly realize it's a Damon Lindoff movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See, the problem you guys are having you know, with your books and you you're thinking too hard. Don't yep. think that hard, and then maybe you won't realize it. I
3: got to be more stupid.
2: Exactly.
3: <laughs> I like Star Trek, it's cool <laughs> uh, I mean, I, uh, I get it, I get it, I get it But, I mean, I'm still excited I mean, I wasn't complaining I just looked at it and said Dude, I'm watching Mass Effect When is that movie coming out? <laughs> uh, and, and I... And I, I watched a little bit of IGN um, prior to the podcast just to see if there was anything that Bioware had mentioned. And the only thing they say, stated um, that was worth mentioning was um, uh, they're still working on the Mass Effect movie, which means nothing. But, um, you know. I it, there was a
1: Mass Effect movie. It was called Mass Effects 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh-huh.
3: But anyway, check it out. Um, it's coming out. And um, if if you want to see what um, the space sequences are going to look like when um, JJ gets episode seven going, um, that'll give you your first clue because he's going to have too much fun with it, and I don't mind it.
1: Can he please leave his lens flare in Star Trek? Uh, I think he's yes. heard
3: so much shit about it. Unless he did it purposefully at this point to be an asshole.
1: <laughs> okay. Seriously, it's like watching an iPad commercial. <laughs>
2: Before that for some reason I totally miss his, have missed his lens flares. I was watching an episode of Fringe the other day. All <laughs> I can see anywhere is lens flares. Thank yes. you very much. <laughs>
3: I, it has been ruined. Yeah. It,
2: and, and there were so many, it was like it had to, it's gotten to that point where they're making like little jokes about stuff. Yeah. And I'm thinking that had to be on purpose there. It I want to
3: see a lens flare things. off of somebody's smile. <laughs> Just big cheesy it, grin. Hey baby, ting! <laughs> It should happen when Han Solo gets his old geriatric ass comes out. All right.
0: Okay.
2: Awesome.
0: Okay. So we we almost need to have like a a a stamped out part for digital projection that so where we can just re- report what remakes are being done. <laughs> there are, are so many that are being announced that we might as well just have a permanent segment on on the uh, uh, on the show and. The two that came out this last week, uh the first one being they are in talks to redo Escape from New York.
3: See, okay, is John
0: Carpenter involved? No.
3: Is Kurt Russell involved? Uh
0: I don't I didn't see anything about it. Okay. About him being involved.
3: It to looks me, like it's
0: going to be completely net new.
3: It's like a, a face hugger fellatio. That's about as excited for it as I am.
2: Yeah. Wow there's an image.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it looks like a uh, snake is going to be back. We're not going to have uh they're not going to jump on board and do a uh, uh, snake Plissken escape from earth, which had always been rumored. I think that's with this being remade. We can pretty much put that guy to rest. Um, Leave him alone. <sighs> yep, yeah, exactly. Um, and then,
3: uh, and then I also just real quick going over the notes of the lost episode thirteen. There's we didn't mention we didn't actually we mentioned it a while back, but it it, it uh, they're redoing the Grinch that stole Christmas, but they're going to do it all computer animation only. Which yeah okay whatever fuck it I'll see it because I have to. <laughs>
0: uh, well, you do have kids, so kids like that sort of thing. A hey, kid. A kid, yeah. Um, and then the other one that they announced this week which just irked the hell out of me because it's <laughs> it's a it's a sentimental part of my youth is they've they've announced that they're going to remake Pete's Dragon. Tell and, us how you feel, Clayton. and Clayton
3: can finally scream that his childhood has been properly raped.
0: Uh, this everybody has a childhood movie that when they think, uh, when they think back that always comes to mind the same year that star Wars came out, this came out, this came out earlier in the year. So it's one of the first memories I have of seeing a movie. Um, and it's been something that I like and, and Aaron's going to pick on me because of my love of musicals, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, I like musicals. I love the Disney uh, musicals in particular, Mary Pop- Poppins, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, um, and Pete's that, Dragon. Right? Um, they're 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 simple. They're fun. They have good messages, and they they you leave the theater feeling uh, feeling good, which is something you really. Can't do in a lot of movies these days. Um, Clayton so, Bird. Yeah, the fact the fact that they're redoing it just irks me. I mean, it's <laughs> they're, they're touching they're touching my childhood. Take your hands off my childhood. <laughs> bad
2: it. touch. Bad touch. Where did yeah, the movie
3: touch you, Clayton?
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: All so. right. and, and speaking of bad touching children's uh, childhoods, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Michael Bay, he's back. <laughs> we had prayed that he was going to leave our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles alone. And alas, he decided that he was still going to screw with it. Now, we don't know if they're still aliens. We don't know what's going on there. However, what we do know is Megan Fox is April O'Neil. And now we have Aquaman as Raphael. Aquaman Alan Richardson
0: from Smallville, yeah. AKA Alan Richardson.
3: Yeah, and I just this just makes me continue to just rage comic all over the fucking place. It's just why. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm, right.
0: I'm just I'm just curious because, you know, Ninja Turtles don't blow shit up. So, how is Michael Bay going to do a movie that doesn't have lots of explosions in it?
3: Good sewer pipes, sewer gas, sewer gas.
2: Yeah. Say <laughs> <laughs> there there're plenty of them op- just because Ninja Turtles have never blown things up before mm. doesn't mean they won't now.
3: But they will remake <laughs> or- it so Donatello is um he's adapted a Brooklyn accent. No, wait, that's, that's Raph. Um, it'll be more of a East LA type of, um, horrendously racist sounding turtle. Cause it's funny. I hate the man. He just needs to fucking die in a fire.
1: (laughs) (sighs) I pretty much cements that Michael Bay will never come on this show.
0: (laughs) Let's talk. uh, Let's switch over and talk about something that, uh, most of us, uh, Enjoy.
3: Okay, so
0: i i was I was talking to
3: Phil about this prior to the show, and the sad thing was is um, if you listen to our last episode where we pleaded the letter campaign to save the Clone Wars, um, I was in the middle of editing and posting it to archive when um, the news came out that Clone Wars had been canceled. Yeah, which just broke my heart. Um, but right now. Um, there's a Twitter campaign going on that seems to be picking up some steam. It's called save, save the clone wars. That's all it's hashtag. Um, there's also a Twitter, um, uh, account for save the clone wars and, um, they have been harassing Disney and star Wars all weekend long. And, uh, and which is good because apparently, and I don't remember who I heard this from. I think it was maybe from the D and D game last night, Clayton, but, uh, you -hmm. know, somebody had, said that the response to the cancellation um, was tepid, which I call bullshit. Mm. And this goes into my whole thing.
1: Honestly, it honestly could be tepid, simply because the fact that everyone out there might be thinking, well, it's business. You know, that that sort of... Passive acceptance of the way the world works, especially in entertainment these days.
2: I haven't known geeks to be that accepting before. A <laughs> See, and 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 my, I I agree.
3: I mean, it was for a little bit. I almost went. You know what? I'm not. I'm not going to push this this campaign anymore because you know they 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 wrap things up and then I stopped and I thought about it and I'm like, no, they didn't. And then I heard today. Lucasfilm has flat out laid off every animator, the entire Clone Wars team. They're gone. They were had a skeleton crew to finish mm-hmm. up these little story arcs and now that's not happening. So, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, we might see a tiny bit of it, but this goes into my my Disney um conspiracy theory thoughts. Well, it's not conspiracy theory, it's business. Um, but before I go forward with that, does anyone else have anything to say on this?
1: Um, it was pretty much stated by Dave Filoni himself in a panel at Celebration Six that season six was almost done. Yeah. Um, at least all the all the voice work was done, and they're working on the working on the animation aspect. Um, honestly, it could be that because they've laid off just about everyone else on the. Ca- everyone else on the production team that they are done with it and everything that they have recorded has been animated and and is done and is in a presentable format um so who knows it 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 could be a positive sign that we might actually see this stuff hit the light of day mm-hmm. in some format but you know starting by the end of the year uh that being said
0: uh Oh, they could yeah. have done it better. Yeah. They definitely did it in such a way that... it shed a very bad light on them and what they think of their fan base um, when they um, are not forthcoming with what they're doing and why they're doing it.
3: I don't think there was any forthcoming to this, and that's part of the thing that irritates me. Is I I truly believe that Disney just kind of looked at it all and said, we're done with the prequel era, wrap it up. Because, I mean, they did state, um, hmm. Filoni stated that there are, well, I don't know if it was Filoni that stated, but in the official press release it stated, um, there's going to be a new series in um, yes. an unexplored era, um, which, you know, could be, I'm, I'm going to love, I'm sure. Don't get me wrong. But, um, and I'm not really too heartbroken about detours being... Can't. Uh, canceled. <laughs>
1: you? Did you hear the All Wings report in that was episode three where I talked about that? No, I didn't
3: get a chance to hear that yet.
1: <laughs> uh, the general consensus of, uh, of uh, Star Wars detours being placed on indefinite postponement, my reply to that was... Good. Good. <laughs> I have a massive problem with Star Wars detours because they use the phrase... Canon. What? <laughs> oh God! All Seth right. Green at you know Seth Green and George Lucas when they were on stage talking about it. George says, "I'm giving him the keys to the kingdom." He's like, "Yep, that's right, folks. This is canon." Okay, let me get this straight. Emperor Palpatine.
3: He was fucking with person, you, and you fell for the it.
1: Person, <laughs> the person who engineered the downfall of twenty five thousand years of tradition. <laughs> <laughs> who's now joking and making fun of Darth Vader for being a whiny prick and calling the Death Star an oversized shopping mall, at least on paper, so that they can get, still continue to get funding for it. You're telling me that this wise, cracking, riffing political leader side of him is canon? <laughs> this. He could, there is no way in hell he was serious.
3: <laughs> I mean, it just... Ugh.
1: Yeah. It's uh, Yeah. A Star Wars detours on indefinite postponement, friggin' good. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Um, Clone Wars getting cancelled. Um, I put it at this. Disney rides no one's coattails. Yep. And if they put a season six on Disney XD or whatever it is that they've had, they're more action-oriented cartoon show, uh, cartoon... Mm-hmm. Uh, network. Um, they would be writing five seasons of highly successful cartoons. Yes. I mm-hmm. think that I think that through StarWars.com we might get what's left of season six as bonus features or little featurettes. Or maybe Disney will release them as individual movies as you said last episode as you said last episode. Hey, we gotta
3: listen <laughs>
1: But yeah, I think Disney wants to take. I think Disney wants their own Star Wars cartoon, and that's what they're going to target for. They don't want to ride their rivals' coattails because they don't. They're Disney. They're at the top of the pile as far as they're concerned, and they do not do what others have done.
3: See, and this is the what. Go ahead. Sorry, Court.
2: Oh, I said that would make sense.
3: Okay, and And see, in my
2: explanation to me.
3: Yeah, and my rant is is more just kind of a a concern. Um Disney I thought that um well, maybe the problem was is that that George Lucas just I don't know. He 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 just got a little too lazy he didn't have the right people um looking at the eu or something like that i mean there's something that that tells me that disney looked at some of the stuff that was in the works or they actually had like a creative team get together and talk about the eu and what's out there and how it meshed with um the other movies and they just said you know what we're putting a stop to all of this now
1: possible and entirely possible
3: which which I understand but at the same time I think we're going to I think the days of um I, god I don't want to say oversaturation but it just it really concerns me that they're getting they're going to become so controlling that it's going to look like the Lucasfilm legal team was you know a bunch of kittens
1: that they were just giving shit away
3: yeah i mean i just i honestly don't know i mean it's 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 concerning i just think that they're I think, well, that most people either they grew up with um, the original trilogy or they grew up with the prequel or the Clone Wars like my son did. And I think they're doing a huge disservice to just suddenly say, well, the original trilogy, you don't hear about people complaining about that now. So let's just completely stop working on the EU stuff. I don't know. Possible. No, no. I'm a little fearful of, we'll of what it's going to be. I, I, just, I, I, just, I can foresee Disney becoming so controlling about um, their property that you're just not going to see anything else come out. And um, there's also whispers that LucasArts is going to get shut down because they, um, they have uh, put Star Wars 1313 on an indefinite hiatus.
0: Oh, as
1: well as First Assault.
3: Mm-hmm. Which tells me that, um, back to the original point with Bioware and Star Wars The Old Republic, I'm wondering if Disney's going to look at the game and say, you know what, you did a great job, um, but that's not what we want. Who knows? And so they're just going we'll to just see, let things finish I honestly
1: up. honestly feel that, uh, that Star Wars 1313 was likely going to be more geared towards the fourth generation systems. And
3: that and that's that, and and also it it, it it makes me sad too because I'm wondering if um we're gonna lose that slow march into a more mature Star Wars series um is is gonna is gonna disappear now because I mean we had some really great storylines going on with the Clone Wars. We had some really horrible storylines going on with Clone Wars. I mean oh, yeah. f- five weeks of those droids. I mean
1: four was only four. God,
3: felt like it more.
1: Like- it just seemed exactly. Just I'm seemed sorry, seemed the, like they
3: finally reserved showing a Republic commando and they put him in that fucking... Anyway.
1: <sighs> oh, man! no, 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 no. The, the Gregor story was the shining part of that. Of it was. That.
3: It was. That
1: was an awesome 100th episode. It
3: was. But we had to bear the other stuff. All right.
1: Oh, what? Gregor, awesome. That's all you need to
2: take away from that episode.
3: Yes. Yes, that arc. All right. Um,
1: well,
2: that too. Hey, let's just... Let- I, never, I never really followed Clone Wars, so I don't have too much to say about it. I am I am sorry, but I must say, if, if this means that Sam Witwer has some extra time on his hands, that he was planning on spending on Clone Wars, that now he doesn't know what to do with his time, Sam, there's always... A, I can find a place for you in my Dark Ages Vampire campaign. I'm just saying. If it comes up, that's my take on the end of Clone Wars.
1: <laughs> you may m- like
3: You, you <laughs> may have that opportunity, Courtney. You may have that opportunity. I'm going to surprise it on you. All right. I think we should get to the uh, meat of the show now,
0: because I want to learn more about Phil. Yeah, let's 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 talk about some cosplay.
3: So. Okay, I don't have a drop to jump into this. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: all, right. all right, fine. Great. <laughs> I can play Star Wars or
3: something. All right. So, let's see here. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling because I just want to make sure that, that I'm not forgetting stuff or assuming that I've talked about stuff, but let's talk about, first off, the basics of um, the Rebel Legion and the 501st. Whoa. Hey, Clayton's, Clayton's playing with his right. microphone.
0: No, I think, yeah, I think that was my headset cutting out, I'm sorry. Yeah,
3: it's okay. So.
1: Well, okay, let's talk about the Rebel Legion and the 501st Legion. Um, Specifically back in 1997, I believe it was, a gentleman named Albin Johnson uh, started posting pictures up on the internets and said, Hey, I've made a Stormtrooper costume. Check this out. And a few other people around the country went. Hey, that's kind of cool! I've made my own storm storm stormtrooper costume. Hey, I've made a Darth Vader. Hey, talk and and through talks and collaborations, and uh, and agreement to to move forward with an actual club about this. The 501st Legion was formed. Uh, The 501st Legion now has over 10,000 individual members throughout its history. There are 6,000 active current members. Spread across the globe, uh, we are everywhere around the globe on all six on all seven continents. Seven, yes, folks. There's an Antarctic seven Legion. Continents. Oh,
3: there
0: was the a
1: blizzard of the five hundred first Legion, who was briefly in living in Antarctica on, <laughs> on some base somewhere.
2: Excellent opportunity for the Hoth gear.
1: Yes, <laughs> This stuff doesn't I, I protect very he's... well. I think he implicitly packed, like, some crewman outfit so he could claim that he was, in fact, you know, actively trooping exactly. <laughs> on Antarctica. <laughs> but, yes, seven continents we've had – we have members. Um, predominantly in the United States, of course, but they're, they're, they're everywhere. We are legion, in fact. Um... We are George Lucas's preferred costuming club organiza- uh, Costuming clubs, uh, when it comes to making appearances and that sort of thing, if Lucas says, "Hey, we're working with one of our corporate affiliates, and we could use some people," and uh, we are the ones they contact—the Rebel Legion for heroes of the Rebellion and the Republic, and the Five Hundred First Legion for the villains of the Star Wars saga. Um, very briefly. Uh, we also do a lot of charity work. Uh, it's a, it's a sort of a side effect. We're a nonprofit organization, um, and we've we've raised millions. Uh, last year, we raised just almost fifteen million dollars for various charities That's around the, around the world. That is great. Wow. Um, yeah. So we don't we don't mess around. <laughs> uh, and of course, the five hundred first Legion could not have uh, done it all alone. Uh, uh, several years after the 501st Legion was formed, a bunch of people came up and said, you know what? What about the heroes? Go figure. So the Rebel Rebel Legion was formed a couple of years later. And it's it's always been like an older brother-younger sister relationship between the two organizations. But as the years have gone on, the Rebel Legion um, has matured in and of itself. Uh, The 501st Legion last year at Celebration 6 celebrated its 15th year anniversary. And uh, the Rebel Legion, I believe, is celebrating its I think it's either celebrating its tenure or just celebrated its tenure. I can't remember. Um, so a bunch of things about the organizations kind of blend together, because that's the kind of relationship that we have, especially up here in the Northeast region, where ninety-five percent of the people who are in the Rebel Legion are in the Five Hundred First, which makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's not, not just one costume. Um, so as far as the clubs go, um, that's who we are. That's what we do. Uh, we we are we strive to create screen accurate outfits, which means that it could have literally walked off the movie set as far as how how explicit we are with uh, with our um, with our accuracy and our attention to detail. Um, that's what we strive to do, to to achieve. Uh, we have a set of standards that every costume must a minimum set of standards that every costume must meet. Yes, and,
3: uh, uh, yes, and I've I've dug through those and and uh, and and seen the exquisite detail and looked at my own suit of armor that's sitting in a box in my basement to, that I'm ready to attack again and going,
1: oh god, I'm gonna fuck this up. <laughs> Um, but that that's the other aspect of that is that when we have people who decide to join, um, they can contact us through our various websites, uh, 501stLegion.com and TheRebelLegion.com and anyone who's interested in, in doing this sort of level of cosplay can – Go there, get directed to their local bases, and sign up through there and basically become a recruit, uh, someone who says, hey, I'm I'm so-and-so, and I'm interested in doing a Stormtrooper outfit, or I'm interested in doing a Jedi outfit, or Imperial officers, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Clone Trooper, that sort of thing.
0: I want to be Wolf. There you go. Nothing I wrong with – I saw him in the latest – in the, the the last arc. Uh, from uh, the Clone Wars and just fell in love with his his his, gr- his green on white.
1: Yep.
3: There
1: you go.
0: Um,
3: and Commander but- Phil is your preference, correct?
1: <laughs> yeah, as soon as I found out that they named a clone Commander Phil, I had to do his outfit. So Commander Phil is actually my first costume that I submitted to the Rebel Legion, and he's my only costume actually in their organization. I made him... The Rebel Legion? in. Rebel Legion. Rebel Legion. He's Hmm. a hero. But but because clones eventually gun down the Jedi, they technically are also evil. So clones are one of those costumes that we refer to as (laughs) bi-legional.
3: We're not one to judge on this podcast.
1: We're not one to judge. Uh, they're, bi-legional, uh, they're bi-legional outfits. Uh, they, uh, Anakin Skywalker is also a, a bi-legional outfit because he is Darth Vader briefly in that costume. Yeah, yeah. So that outfit is good for both the Imperial side and the Republic side. Yeah, the
2: pictures you had on your blog, of that was making the Commander Phil costume, correct?
1: Yes, yes, it was. 52 that- days.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, that was that was really interesting. I had no idea how much would go would go into that. Uh, yeah, that was really fascinating. Anybody who's interested, I really recommend checking that out.
1: Yeah, anyone who wants to head over to uh, basically the easiest way to find me is to go to your Google, type in "fragments from the rim," and you go down a couple entries and you'll find my "fragments from the rim" blog, which is my Star Wars and my Star Wars gaming and costuming blog, and you can go in there and you can find uh, the history of the, the the huge post I did on my construction of Commander Phil. Um, I can honestly say that from start to finish, I made that costume because the, mold, the molds for that costume were made by a local garrison member, Brian Anderson, who is this mad genius of a man who has made five versions of the clone trooper bucket because he's like, no, no, this is off by a quarter of an inch. I need to start over and make a new mold. Bucket um, is helmet
3: just for our-
1: <laughs> yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. Buckets are uh, buckets are what we refer to our helmets as. Uh, buckets off, buckets on. Because, you, know, you know, you look at it and that's basically what it is, a bucket. Probably a holdover from those who also did SCA or, you know, just a mere coincidence. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but Brian Anderson made those molds and he actually put a vacuum form machine in his house... And a bunch of us were pulling molds, and I actually pulled and cut the mold, uh, cut the plastic from those molds myself. So nice. I actually made that costume from complete start to finish. It's a kit that I put together myself, um, and it was it was fun. It was fifty it was fifty two days for me to do it from the day I first pulled the molds to the day I submitted to. Uh, Rebel Legion and to 501st Legion.
3: Now can I ask a, a a quick question? This is just one that just kind of randomly popped in my head, but um, is there a do they differentiate a, um, clone armors from the uh, animated series versus the television series? Like have they accepted a more um, stylistic version as official canon just because it followed the Um, Clone Wars so closely
1: not only do they accept it but they have implicitly divided it it used to be that you could do a quote unquote movie version of Rex you could do a movie version of uh, season 1 and season 2 Commander Cody Mm -hmm. you could do these movie versions and and have the, the, the sculpts and molds that are of the movie style clone outfits but painted up like the characters from the Clone Wars that is no more Hmm. Um, anything prior to last year was grandfathered, but going forward from, say, I think it was like from May of last year, you can, if there is an animated character, you have to make it with animated sculpted armor.
3: Interesting.
1: Commander Phil is an animated clone. That's animated clone armor. My original 501st clone that I got into this whole hobby with, that is movie-style armor. So, yes, there is a difference, most certainly. And it's now, it's now stated that you, there is a difference, and you have to do it. This is why no one has done Gregor yet. Because no one has sculpted Republic Commando animated-style armor yet. Mm. And until they do, you can't do a Gregor and have it approved with the with the movie slash video game style Republic Commando armor that's out there. Hmm. I mean someone can do it and show up at a con, but you know, that costume itself isn't isn't Five O First approved, you know? So if you go if you're going to an event for officially for the Five O First or for the Rebel Legion, you technically can't wear a Gregor who's been painted up as a as a movie style clone commando. Wow. Yeah, we we uh, and actually this is a nice segue because we the 501st especially but now the Rebel Legion because the Rebel Legion is starting to get to that level of of exacting nature um, the 501st is kind of seen as an elite and elitist
2: yeah. costuming club
1: in the cosplay community um, we, we get looked at as something to a to, to elevate your game to and also something that people really dislike how anal we get about certain things. Hmm. And, I under- you- I, and I understand it. I get it. You know?
3: Yeah, I mean it's not yeah. it's not something to me, I mean I look at, at at my armor that's sitting there and it's and it's from an approved source. Um yep. and and I just I I I look at it and I go, God! I, you want it to look good. You want it to look as good as possible. I mean, how many nightmares do you have of going to a convention and seeing somebody slap together stuff? And if yeah. you if if you want to be associated with that group, you know, you really should put forth the effort. And if you just want to have a stormtrooper armor, great, do it. But you know, don't expect to just get to to get into the five hundred first just because you've, you're a stormtrooper.
1: And then look at it this way. As I said, we're Lucasfilm's preferred costuming clubs when it comes to the heroes and villains of the, rebellion, uh, of the Star Wars saga. That means we have to sort of have their level of, of uh, production. You know, Yeah, we're making these things all by hand in our basements, in our garages, in our living rooms sometimes. Um, but when it comes down to it, we need these things to look like they walked off the screen that's why make a wish foundation constantly calls us to you know make magic happen for them you know when when they want a, a kid to be sent off to his vacation to florida or his you know with by a couple jedi and met at the airport by vader and some stormtroopers when disney has their star wars weekends in may and june and they say hey 501st guys come on down we'll give you a day's pass to the parks for free but you have to be in our parade But send us your pictures first. We need to make sure you guys are up to scratch. Um, Lucasfilm calls and says, hey, we've got this um, event that we want to do at the Boston Garden with uh, Cartoon Network. Uh, Please send us pictures of your Clone Wars series characters. We want to make sure that they're they're up to scratch. Um, that's, That's the standards that we have to have if we want to maintain that wonderful professional relationship that we've got with Lucasfilm and by proxy with Disney now. Um, I know a question that came up last time we tried to do this was, was our <laughs> – I'm glad you, you um, remember better. <laughs> was uh, what – what, did our relationship – do I fear that our relationship has changed because of the Disney merger? Um, and I don't think so it has. I don't feel that it's going to change. Uh, we've been told by Mary Franklin um, who's uh, sort of – I think she's head of public relations or something to that effect with Lucasfilm. Um, that it's business as usual between the 501st Rebel Legion and, uh, and Lucasfilm. Um, because um, you know we've got this great relationship with them. We do all this charity work. We promote the Star Wars brand in such a positive way that I don't see us changing. And we've already got established a relationship with Disney for years. I think it was like maybe we almost. I think we're almost at like ten years of doing the uh, Star Wars weekends with Disney.
3: Which is about how long the Five of Horse has been around too, if I recall.
1: I've first been around for fifteen. Okay,
3: okay, okay. My so bad. So we,
1: we had we had five years to really ramp up and, and, and make our make our presence known. And remember that it started in, in ninety seven. So five years carries us through Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. So ninety nine was Phantom Menace. Two thousand three was Attack of the Clones. So we had been helping the Star Wars brand. Oh, two years right? It was two thousand two. That's right. The three year gap. The, the, the uh, it was a three year gap. I'm sorry. Good call. Good catch. Good catch.
3: The matters. Oh wait. <laughs> no. That's okay. Um, Nobody's yeah, in the chat room to of, tease you, so you're safe. Yeah,
1: true. It's true. But uh but yeah, we we've we kind of established ourselves and and made ourselves known to Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm shared us with with their affiliates and and that's how we've got this relationship, and that's how we're able to go out there and do what we do um, and not get our pants sued off with seats and desist orders from Lucasfilm and Disney. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, really but, is the, which really is an accomplishment in and of itself. So. Yeah.
1: The, yeah. the huge thing is, is that we're making these privately for the members of the club and <laughs> not commercially for profit.
2: Right. Yes.
1: As soon as someone starts to, attempting to do that stuff, they get slapped down so hard. <laughs> um, there are actual um, they get spanked, huh, There are buddy? actual lines in the charter that says uh, a costume constru- uh, a costume producer for the five hundred first Rebel Legion cannot earn profit off of you know cannot turn a profit off this stuff. Mm-hmm. To a point, I mean, um, obviously the the if anyone who tries to join the five hundred first Rebel Legion and goes for a stormtrooper outfit or clone trooper outfit or something like that, and you see how much people want for. For this, you have to realize that they have put hundreds of hours of work into making the molds. Yeah, um, I know. I know Brian Anderson has gone through to make the molds for the clone trooper armors because he made not only the ones for seasons one and two and three, but also the updated ones when they transfer when they transferred over from phase one to phase two armor. Those are completely different molds. No piece from the animated style clones of Seasons 1 through 3 matches the clone armor style of Seasons 4 and 5. None. He had to do completely new molds from head to toe. Wow. Yeah. And he did it because he's crazy and he wanted to be Rex. (laughs) (laughs) He he never made molds before, not nearly this size, but he's like, I want to be Captain Rex and I don't want to wait for someone to make the armor. So he made the molds. And then he's like, ooh, Rex has a new outfit Well, I need to do this again And just completely made the molds again The man is crazy, he's insane, we love him Only the fact that he's had a daughter recently has slowed him down Otherwise he'd be doing more crazy things Oh wait, he is He's getting ready to, do, to uh, be part of this whole Legion of judges That is showing up for a, a Giant Judge Dredd Costuming uh, Ensemble at uh, wow. Dragon Con this year
0: This <laughs> is insane That'll be interesting to see those pictures. Oh, yeah.
3: I, the, the, no. I'm, fast, I, I'm fascinated. I still need to see the, the Dread movie with Carl Urban. I mean, I...
1: I haven't seen it either. I, I mean, it heard it was really
3: good. So I, I,
1: I've heard that from, like, the, the Dread fans. They're like, it actually wasn't bad, guys. I mean, everyone else panned it, but...
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I just the review... Every review I, I read was that it was good. But we're getting distracted here. We are. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> Well, let's let's go into a few bits of questions here because um, you know some of these I, I had asked previously um, in the in the original recording, and I know that you do other cosplay outside of um, yes the five hundred first and Star Wars, um, yep. and and I have my personal favorite, but what is your yes. favorite non five hundred first or Rebel Legion? Oh
1: my vault dweller! Ah uh, yes, hands down the vault dweller. Oh yes,
2: uh, I, I, I put
1: together a Vault 101 dweller costume. Got it. I even have the red hat with Nuka Cola logo on it.
3: Now, would that require you to be looking for a water chip, or which vault was, Or was that 103?
1: <laughs> this is Fallout 3.
3: No, well, there was different vaults for each one you had.
1: From- oh yeah, no, there's different vault. This is this is the one from Fallout Three, the one that takes place in Washington D.C. Okay, um, that's that's the that's the style. Uh, it's it's a much more modern one. I mean, the the vault dweller suits from Fallout's One and Two. That's definitely a a a, a jumpsuit. Almost, a, I don't want to say skin tight, but <laughs> I would not look good in it. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and I say this as I'm wearing my brand new Vault 101 hoodie that I got from Bethesda's booth at PAX East today. Oh, you bastard. Um, you could apparently go to uh the the Fallout there Fallout site and they've got a new partnership where they've got all these hats and and shirts and hoodies and and believe it or not even Vault 101 sneakers.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, what, seriously. What do those look like? I'm looking
3: I um, I think it's red bubble. <laughs> It Could be. be. Oh, yeah. oh um, these it, are beautiful. They're kind
1: of, aren't they? They're kind of the like <laughs> this blue suede sneaker with Vault 101 uh, embroidered on the side of the shoe. It's really kind of cool looking. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the costume that I that's – the, that's the one I really like. It's, it's, it's a nice convention costume. Unfortunately, I didn't wear it today. I probably should have. Uh, if I had known Bethesda was going to be there and they'd have a decent um, Fallout presence, I would have done it. Um, but it 's a good con costume because it's, it, cause it's a, just a jumpsuit with a, with a pip boy on my arm. you know i've got it wired up and a little MP3 player in there that plays like 49 minutes of snippets from songs and, and three dogs radio broadcasts and coming right out of my forearm, so people freak out when they see that like, oh my God, that's awesome. That is beyond badass. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've also gone to Dragon Con, which is kind of a big media convention down in Atlanta that's also become a huge cosplay uh, a, a, a hangout. I mean, many people who go there, what you'll do is you'll have to go to the convention during the day. Um, but really, once the convention halls close, everyone brings out their costumes and just hangs out in the lobby of the Marriott and the and the Hilton. Just imagine 10,000 people. Half of which are in costumes from everything. Books, comics, movies, TV shows, games, just everywhere. It's insane. Um, If if you're at all interested in the cosplay community and you have a chance to go to Dragon Con, it's over Labor Day weekend uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. I highly, highly recommend it. You will not be disappointed, and you will see some of the most amazing costumes you have ever seen.
3: Now, Courtney, I know some of these questions were years on the original cast, so I'm going to let you ask a couple.
2: Uh, wow, I can't remember exactly which ones.
3: Yeah, just pick one you like. Uh,
2: just pick one. Let's see. So, um, <laughs> if people were interested in, in getting into, um, since the main topic was the was the Revolution Legion of the Five O First? What how would you suggest people get started in that? I know you mentioned that you that you have people that will, will kinda of help help people out, but what costumes are good to start with if they don't want to, you know, invest fifty six days into making if they if if they want to start with something smaller than a fifty six day armor project?
1: That's a real good question. Um, I'll answer the first part because you did ask how do you get involved in all this. Um, As I mentioned previously, go to 501stLegion.com, go to RebelLegion.com, check around in there. You will be directed and guided towards your local... Base for the rebel legion or garrison for the revival first, and when you go to those specific local area web pages, they will have a link that says how you can join each individual organization. You'll get introduced to people. You'll you'll be given like a, you most typically up here. What we do is we give you an actual introduction thread on 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 sections of the forums that uh, we call them academy cadets uh, that they'll have access to. And most often than not, the person who introduces you will say, hey, listen, here's some specific web pages that you want to go to and some forums that you'll definitely want to check out because in addition to the folks here, many folks there will also be able to help guide you in, in your quest to have the awesome costume that you, that you want. Um, as far as what's a good costume to get started on, um, I'm going to say that for, for the Rebel Legion... Possibly the easiest costume to do would be a Jedi. Hmm. And the reason is is because you can find just about everything that you would need for a Jedi somewhat commercially and somewhat locally. I mean, all the fabrics that you need to make the Jedi tunics and the Jedi uh, undershirts and and uh, and and the belts and the cloaks and all that stuff, you can find those most Joanne fabrics. Um, about the only things that you're going to... The two things that are really going to hit you up as far as you know, most difficult to find um, is the lightsaber, and there are a few places out there where you can find a decent lightsaber. Heck, if you're just doing a generic Jedi, you can even just go out to Toys R Us, buy one of the, uh, what used to be Master Replicas, but it's now being put out by Hasbro, the, the Force Effects lightsabers. Those are pretty fun. Not the, yeah, not the cheapo, uh, the short-bladed, what is it? The kids version. Or four- yeah. yeah, not those. These are the metal ones. You, you, you know, the sticker price should be somewhere between eighty to hundred bucks. Yeah, they come in a long black box. Toys R Us usually has them, but you can find them elsewhere. Um, that's one of the harder parts to find, and that's just simply because of a cost aspect. The other more difficult part, and I've encountered this myself, is um, tall boots. Now, if you're a woman. Tall boots are relatively easy to find. Good Jedi boots are out there. You can go to any DSW or oh Jedi bitch boots, huh? Jedi bitch boots? Yeah, Jedi bitch boots. Now, now I'm sold. I didn't even think about
2: the excuse to buy new boots. There you go. Tall boots. uh,
1: Tall boots are easy. Now, mind you, if you are a guy, you have a problem, and that problem is, is that tall boots like that are not in fashion for men, or at least not. Commercially, anyway, I and mean, what you'll find at a DSW or anything like that. So, you either have to hope and pray that someone has them in drag sizes. <laughs> you I have a to small ask foot.
2: Whether, that, whether, the, uh, whether the, yes, the drag, drag <laughs> supply places were good places to look.
3: I am Jeb- um, Jedi Fabulous.
2: Fabulous.
1: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I am a 10 wide, sometimes 10 and a half normal foot. Uh, which translates something into like a 12 and a half or a 13 woman's boot size.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I cannot find women's boots like that in my size. Um, so I've had to, you know, I've had to look around, and fortunately, I have actually found a. Um, there's a style of cowboy boot out there that isn't really cowboy. You know, it's it's not quite as as you know. You, you think of a traditional cowboy boot. This isn't it. I mean, it's got some things that you can say. Yeah, that's definitely a Western style boot. It's called a preacher boot, um, and folks on the five 50- uh, folks on the Rebel Legion page seem to think that. Yeah, that's 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 probably good enough. That's probably good enough for 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 uh, for Jedi what you're looking for. Um, so yeah, as far as that goes, I find that the Jedi is probably the easiest costume to try to get into the things with. Now, as far as that on the Imperial side, you're probably looking at something similar as far as a cloth based costume. Um, typically what people start off with are, are Imperial officers or Imperial crewmen. Um, the officers' outfits are actually kind of, it can be made quite easily from certain Civil War-style costume patterns that you can get from Simplicity. Um, you just kind of have to flare out the pants a little bit, turn them into more a Hjodspur's style of pants, um, but with but with the and the crewmen rather is the crewmen the, the guys who are you know hauling either in the pit crews at the uh, on the star, star destroyer bridges, or the guys who were hauling the scanning equipment onto the Falcon in in uh, episode four. Um, those are really simple costumes because you're just getting a jumpsuit. You're modifying some patches. You're making a hat. Get a belt. Simple buckle. Um, and then of course the most difficult problem is finding jack boots. Oh, those Germans and their small feet.
3: That's <laughs> ist <laughs> nicht gut.
1: Because, man, if you're a size 8 or a 9, you can find black jack boots from here to eternity. I swear to God. You're 10 and a half. You're screwed. you're screwed.
3: I will have to keep that in mind.
1: There are so many costumes that I want to do, but I can't do because I cannot find black jack boots. I mean, you can find people out there who will make them, but you're talking $250, $300 for a pair of boots that you're probably going to wear if you're lucky. Or rather, if, if on average, I should say, not if you're lucky, but on average, probably like two or three times a year. Now, the good news is is once you have these boots, you have them. <laughs> and if you're only wearing them two or three times a year, as long it as you don't lasts. leave them out in the rain, exactly, they're going to last. Um, it's, Courtney it's appears to
3: know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What? Courtney appears to know this too well.
2: I I have I have dancers feet which causes me great problems with boots and I have considered the merits of having boots custom made many times. <laughs> I haven't I haven't actually done it yet, even though I would wear them more than more than twice a year. But yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs)
1: Um, So that being said, you know, if you're if you're looking at a Jedi, you can probably put a Jedi together depending on what your sources are for probably like two or three hundred bucks, maybe a little more, uh, depending on what you need for footwear and what you want to do for a lightsaber. And my, Uh,
3: yeah, my just just to mention my, uh, just because it's kind of recent, my five hundred first TK outfit, your classic stormtrooper. um, It's a stunt uh, version. Um, It is, that cost me upwards of, uh, with all the little bits so far, about $800. So so listeners, just keep that in mind if you do decide to go that route.
1: But here's the thing. This hobby is a lot of upfront cost and very little post, you know, very little uh, uh, cost after that. Um, once you've got the costumes, it's, it's there, you know? Uh, maybe you'll upgrade a couple things here and there. You want, you want this to look better or you want a more accurate rifle or, or whatnot, stuff like that. That's, but that's all stuff that you, you, you kind of do because you want to do it. I mean I joke that the Boba Fett outfit is the hot rod of this hobby because I know people who have sunk $12,000, $20,000 into their Boba Fetts. Because they want all metal plates. They want exact, you know, they want it to be exact from what they used in the movies. People have gone out and paid for $70 calculators just to take off a certain string of lights. Because that's what the lights were underneath the, the, the whatever LED readout that is on his left chest plate, you know. It's, it's crazy. It is crazy. But, but they do it.
2: So would you say your average person that gets into this does do just the upfront cro- upfront cost and then yes. goes with that? Okay, so it's not yes. one of these hobbies where, oh, yeah, totally, yeah, it costs, yeah, but to get into it. But then you don't have to spend anything else. But then everybody does anyway because they want to. Not that well, I'm familiar well, with that's,
1: those. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> um, I will say this. The, the, it's There is something of a bug. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sit there and you go, hey, I've got my biker scout. This is awesome. You know it would be really cool to do a Jedi? Yeah. I'd really like to do this outfit. Oh, that outfit. It would be, nice be nice to have an Imperial officer outfit. That would be cool, too. Um, right? I've
2: been involved in several things. Oh, yeah, yeah, just, just this up front. Then you're done. Yeah, that's how we sucker you in.
1: <laughs> but, is that, but that is the thing I do know that there are people that, I do know, like I say like, There are dodos out there <laughs> There are two of them they once Only me. two there are
0: no <laughs> more the <determinants>. Only two, <laughs> the only two. Uh,
1: No, but there are folks In the garrisons locally That I know that have A costume And they're happy with that costume Because that's why they wanted to get into the hobby I am here because I wanted to be a Jawa. I am here because I wanted to be a Stormtrooper. Dude, I thought you were going to like break it out that you had a Jawa outfit and
3: no, then I'm you sorry. just ruined How me. many
2: people get into it because they want to be a Jawa? I mean, don't get me wrong, they they crack me up, but Oh, we have
1: several. Okay. Jawas are fun. Jawas run around the the crowds and like harass people and stuff and it's great. Oh, I bet
2: that's a hoot. Oh,
1: huh. Oh, they have they have a blast at it. They huh. do. There's to... even there's even one guy in, in New York who we refer to as King Jawa because he has a perfect proportioned Jawa outfit. It looks great. It looks awesome. You look at it in photos. And you're like, wow, that's a great outfit. Then you realize he's six foot four. <laughs> 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 Utini, <laughs> oh, fucker. God. It's amazing.
3: Well, Phil, thank you so much for being on
1: oh you're welcome It Was a pleasure being here a second time nonetheless hey second time's a charm and um i i
3: think um i think well i don't know if we should really have i think we're probably gonna have to call it i think post show is going a little late i was on the computer pretty late last night as was clayton
1: yeah I, unfortunately i would not be able to stay up for post show i gotta work in the morning yeah, so Me
3: either. I will have to, uh, Clayton and I will uh, we'll discuss our, our epic eight-hour Temple of Elemental Evil game that <laughs> ran into the wee hours of the night on Roll20 last night. <laughs> And, um, and then I'll have to talk about how I introduced my four-year-old to uh, role-playing using the... Yeah, um, I want to hear about that. Yeah, it was, it was badass. Um, basically, long story short, I was reading in the Gygax magazine that, that I picked up that we talked about last week, our last episode. And uh, they mentioned role-playing for your toddler, and so I went, you know what? I bet you I could come up with something. So um, I have a massive supply of Star Wars minis uh, that I used when I was running Star Wars Saga Edition. And uh, we we went to town. It was really simple. It was really exciting. And he loved every moment of it. And he got into describing, I'm going to stab him with my lightsaber in the eye. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Which is usually the cue for oh there are no called shots in the system, man. Sorry. <laughs> I
3: wasn't gonna I was not gonna stop his creativity. At one point, Obi-Wan Kenobi was blasting oh. out force lightning, so <laughs> <It's whatever> works. <laughs> well, um once again, thank you listeners. We appreciate your time and uh energy and uh, clicking that little download button because I don't see many of you live. Um, that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to try and do Sunday, uh, broadcasts until something else pops up. Um, you know, our first one, the test run went Tuesday and either it went really phenomenally well and Tuesday's the best night or everybody listened to us live and went, Oh fuck, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably where it's at. So, yeah. um, you know, as usual, this is uh you know, give it, send us a review on iTunes, let us know what's going on there, and uh, you know, feel free to to email us once again, uh Aaron at GeekheadRadio dot com, Clayton at GeekheadRadio dot com, or Courtney at GeekheadRadio dot com. Um and you know, let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to talk uh want us to talk about. Um I right now have a couple of interesting uh potential guests in the future. Uh, one of them is is somebody who shaped my um, my formative years in junior high and high school with uh, what I thought was the best role playing game ever. But um, you know, I I was forced to parry and dodge my way out of that, losing my attacks uh, per melee. So we'll see if that happens. If anyone else gets that, congratulations. I got it. <laughs> but I have been contacted by their camp. Um, and uh, you know what? This is Preacher Twenty Three reminding you, don't just embrace your inner geek. Make mad love to it.
0: And once again, thanks for getting head from Geekhead.
2: And great great geek you. I'm going to say something <laughs> geek.